you're tuned to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcasted live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator. And he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for almost 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, folks, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Hello, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We are on at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. every Saturday. And today I'm going to talk about food. We have such an... The food scene in Knoxville is just unbelievable what's happened in the last 10 or 15 years in my view. We've got so many great choices. We have incredible chefs and restaurants that really have put the Knoxville food scene on the culinary map in the last few years. You know, if you stroll down any downtown Knoxville Street, you can find local chefs serving up international specialties, regional cuisine, and southern favorites on just about every block. And, you know, I think Knoxville restaurants have always been good. You know, I've, I grew up here. I've been here almost my whole life. But the quality of food, the variety, and the overall dining experience really have been elevated to feel like you were dining at restaurants that really could be any, in any big culinary city. And I think much of that, not all of it, but a good bit of it, can be contributed to the rise in chefs coming out of places like Blackberry Farm, just down the street in Walland. Uh, and my guest today... Uh, is a former chef at Blackberry Farm, and he is the first James Beard winner in the state of Tennessee, uh, top chef southeast, and uh, really a very renowned chef all over the country. And he's he's known for his unique blend of rustic and international flavors. He is, uh, back in 2015, he started J.C. Holdway, which, of course, is downtown, and just a tremendous place to eat. Good morning, Joseph. Great to have you with us today. Hello, Joseph. Are you with us? I am. Can you yes, hear me, great. Jim? Sorry, we yeah, we can hear you great now. It's great to have you with us. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on the show. Yes, sir. So tell us, when, when, you know, how did you get your start as a chef, Joseph? Did you grow up? You know, really, kind of cooking some in the kitchen was it a was it something that interested you later on? What what drove your passion to being a chef? Well, it it started a little later on. Um, I came from a, a home of two educators, and uh, my mom worked a lot, and my dad did as well. And uh, mom worked really hard to make sure that there was always um, a meal on the table every night for uh, the family, and um, she was a great cook and still is and excuse me um so i I kind of was fortunate enough to have a a mom that always put a meal on the table and uh, my grandmother was a great cook so i was kind of surrounded by pretty humble simple good food and um i guess right around the end of high school um you know being growing up around education or educators you know it was just expected you go to college get a degree 
do all that. And that path wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. So um, I, I went to college for a little bit and took some time off. And it was during that time um, I kind of found this passion for cooking. Um, I was working at uh, Butler and Bailey on North Shore and um, working in the, the meat department. And that's kind of really what piqued my interest because we had stuff there that I'd never really had growing up, like lamb chops and veal chops. And uh, Tom, the owner, was like, have you ever had one of these before? And I was like, no. And he goes, you should take one home and cook it. And so I did and just got a charcoal grill and started cooking on that. And I was like, wow, that's pretty delicious. And um, it started off just, you know, tinkering around and cooking for friends. And all of a sudden I had friends that said, you know, maybe you should look at going to culinary school. You're pretty good at this. And I was like, well, I don't know if I want to do that. And <laughs> I think I really just wanted to spend a whole lot of time fishing. And so um, <laughs> anyway, um, one day I came home from, from work at Butler and Bailey and was watching, I believe it was live at five and they had a, a section on chefs. And then uh, that same day there was a section in the Sentinel about chefs in the food section. And um, I read through that and watched that on television. And um, all of a sudden I really became intrigued with that. And um, I called my dad, who was a guidance counselor at Oak Ridge High School. And I said, hey, dad, I think I know what I want to do now. And he's like, oh, what is it now? <laughs> and I said, I think I want to be a chef. And so he was very encouraging and said, well, we'll go look at Johnson Wales in Charleston, South Carolina. And um, I did and walked through the door and I was like, man, this is it. This is what I want to do. And um, I fortunately applied, got accepted and went to school there and uh, I guess the rest is kind of history, but that that's kind of how I got into it. Um, I, I, I've enjoyed like barbecue and, and things like that and had got a smoker early on when I was younger and had tinkered around with that. And so um, I think that all started this love affair I have with um, the wood fire cookery that we do at the restaurant. So. Yeah, and you mentioned Charleston. You know, when I think of great culinary towns, Charleston probably kind of goes right up to the top of my list when it just based on reputation, and they have so many great restaurants there. So you went to school there, and then you also did some work there, correct, at the Peninsula Restaurant there? Correct. Um, it was. It's. It's kind of really just amazing how everything worked out. Um, so when my dad said Charleston, that, that really sounded great to me because we had gone to that town for some family vacations when I was younger and it, it was relatively close and, you know, there's a beach there. So I was like, man, this, this sounds all right. So, um, went there and, um, when I was leaving the grocery store, um, we had a purveyor there that said, you know, let me know if I can write you a letter of recommendation. I said, well, do you know any chefs in the area? And, he takes out his pen and a piece of paper and writes down Robert Carter Peninsula Grill. And I just kind of lit up because when I went to the school, I asked, you know, some of the instructors, I said, and this was back in the late 90s. And I said, you know, what's the best restaurant in Charleston? Or what do y'all think is the best restaurant in town? And they're like, oh, hands down, Peninsula Grill. And then, you know, here I am at my job and the guy's writing down the chef and the restaurant. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is it. I've got a way in. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, uh, so that that kind of was like, okay, that everything's gonna work out. And it's funny because at first it didn't. So um, I'll kind of circle back on how all this plays out. And um, so I, I went to school, um, 
and I had Bob Carter's phone number. And so I reached out to the restaurant and try to call him, you know, as a young culinary student would, who at the time I had no restaurant experience. So let's preface it with that, that my only experience with food was like working in a butcher shop. So, um, you know, you think being a naive kid, like, oh yeah, I'll just go in and get a job at this best restaurant and, you know, prove my worth and everything will be great. Well, um, one thing that I, I found out really quickly that it was hard in that town to get a job without experience because at that time there were two culinary schools there and obviously a great food scene and they just kind of had their pick of the best and, and, you know, having no experience, I just probably wasn't a standout, but what was great about, uh, I got an interview there and, um, you know, we were interviewing and Bob's like, where are you from? And I was like, Knoxville, Tennessee, originally. He's like, Oh, I used to be a chef at this place called Blackberry farm years ago. And, um, I was like, yeah, I've heard of it. I don't really know much about it, but anyway, um, right then and there in that moment, I kind of had this, you know, feeling like, well, if I don't get hired by this guy, I'm going to go get a job there <laughs> and come back and sure. tell this guy that I worked there. And, um, which is kind of funny cause that's how everything worked out. Cause, um, in the interview, you know, at the end of it, he's like, well, we'll be in touch if we can use you. And I never heard anything. And, you know, I felt kind of defeated. I was like, oh, man. And so I took the, the, the path of going and getting temporary work um, with staffing agencies while I was in school just to get my foot in the door somehow. And um, that's kind of what I did my first year of culinary school Um was just doing temporary work and getting to see some real kitchens and some banquet work and, you know, a little bit of everything, which was good. Um, and so I was talking to um, Tom here and Butler and Bailey and um, he, he, we would keep in touch and he's like, so how are things going? And I said, man, it's, I love it, but it's really hard to get a job, um, you know, if you don't have experience. And so I was like, I'm hoping to do an internship at this place called Blackberry Farm over the summer. And, I just got to find a way to, you know, contact them because this is really for, you know, internet had really taken off and people are having websites and all that. I mean, that was in 99. And so um, I ended up um, a mutual friend of ours, uh, next door neighbor happened to be John Fleer, who was the chef at the time at, at Blackberry. And he put me in contact with him. And fortunately I got an internship over the summer and, um, that was kind of a, a, a really important moment for me because it was my first time really working in a fine dining establishment. And I was just ecstatic about the opportunity to the point that when Chef Clear had called me, he's like, I think we have a spot for you. And I was like, I'll take it. And he goes, do you want to hear about it all? I was like, I don't care. I'll, I'll do whatever. And so um, I ended up having to work um, breakfast and lunch at that point And, um, I was living with my parents who lived out in West Knoxville, so um, I had to get up at about 3.45 in the morning to be on time to work there, and so that was, I'm I'm kind of a night person, so that was a that was a, a challenge for me to have to try to go to bed around, you know, 9 or 10 o'clock at night in order to get up in time, but um, that ended up being a, a great experience because um, I learned a lot there um, doing that internship, but they also had these cooking schools there. And I was fortunate enough that two of the guest chefs that summer were both from Charleston. Uh, one was Bob Wagner from Charleston Place Hotel at uh, Charleston Grill, and then the other chef was Bob Carter from Peninsula Grill. And um, I was fortunate enough that um, 
John Clear let me kind of be their assistants through this. And um, uh, it's kind of funny when Bob Carter came in, he goes, you look familiar. <laughs> and I said, well, we interviewed one time. And he goes, well, whatever happened with that? And I said, I think I was underqualified and you're overstaffed. And he kind of chuckled and he said, well, um, what are your plans later on? I said, well, I got to go back to school. And he said, well, when you come back, uh, he goes, why don't you give me a call? And he's like, we'll put you to work. And, and so that's kind of what happened. I had to go and finish my, my final year at school. And I uh, was fortunate enough. I interviewed with him again and uh, got a job. And, and I kind of picked that restaurant over Charleston Grill because he had brought one of his cooks at the time. And his name was Sean Brock. And um, he was just this machine in the kitchen. And um, I was like, I want to work at a kitchen full of cooks like that, that are just, just ninjas. Like they just work so hard and, and, fast, methodical, and everything. And so um, I went to work there, and uh, fortunately, I became friends with him there, and uh, which kind of led me to my next job after after Peninsula Grill. But um, I, I know I'm kind of getting ahead of everything, but the scene in Charleston was such a great food scene, and it was so competitive from a work environment. Um, I don't want to brush over Peninsula because um, – Blackberry kind of taught me in that three-month internship really, you know, about service and, you know, making sure everything's correct. But Peninsula really drove in. You had to work fast and efficiently, and everything had to be perfect. I mean, to the point that if we were cutting chives, if they weren't perfectly sliced, like they would come by and just throw away whatever you just spent, you know, however much time doing, like every, every component that you were prepping there, like they would just throw it away because it, that's how much they wanted it to be right. So you learned real fast to, to make it right and do it fast. And so, um, which really, really helped um, develop me as, as a cook at the time. Um, I, 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 I'm so appreciative of that time there and I spent three years there. And by the time I left, I was the lead cook there and um, could work every station and, and work it very efficiently. And so um, that was just, I think, a, a great time and place to be at that, at that restaurant because all the cooks there, you never had to get corrected by the chef because the cooks would correct you. Um, it was just everybody was on the same page about the expectation from the chefs and um, it was just a great time to work there. Um, it was one of my favorite kitchens I've ever worked in because of the standards that everyone held one another to. And the restaurant received multiple accolades. Uh, and I think it was because of just the, the, the standards that were upheld there. I mean, the wait staff was great. And I think yeah. that really was eye-opening to me as well um, was the service aspect that when, it, when I went to my next job, it made me appreciate the, the wait staff even more about how great and how much they cared about the guest and um, the service there. So. You know, I think that's really fascinating about the speed element of that because you're trying to do things absolutely perfectly to certain specifications. It's got to be just right, yet you have to work very, very fast. That that well, I wasn't expecting you to say that. That was kind of uh, that's very, very interesting. But it makes sense in a restaurant because you got to turn things over. But uh, tell you what, we're visiting with Joseph Lynn today, uh, the owner and, and chef at uh, J.C. Holdway. I do want to talk, uh, when we come back from our first break, we'll talk, Joseph, about 
uh, the, a little bit more about Blackberry Farms' impact on the Knoxville food scene and how things have evolved in Knoxville over the years. So stay with us. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in to More Living this morning. As you listen to News Talk 98.7 WOKI, I'm your host, Jim Brogan. We're visiting with Joseph Lynn, the owner and chef at J.C. Holdway, a tremendous dining experience uh, that, over there. If you haven't been there, it's just absolutely tremendous. Uh, definitely probably my wife's and I's my favorite spot here in Knoxville. And I've gotten to know Joseph Lynn a little bit over the years, and he's, he's a great guy and just an extraordinary chef. And, uh, Joseph, you did work at Blackberry Farms, Blackberry Farm, I think, for about 10, 12 years. What is it about, I, I know, you know, Blackberry Farm is renowned for a lot of different things, but certainly its food is one of those things. What is it about Blackberry that produces such great talent? Do they, do they, do they seek it out? Is it how they develop it? Is it a combination? And what other local chefs have come from Blackberry? Jim, I think, um, you know, when I started there, it was, it was a little bit smaller than what it's become now. And um, I think when I was there, what I, that's what I loved about it was, um, you know, when I started, we only had one restaurant there. And now there, there's multiple uh, restaurants on property, and they've opened another property since, since uh, my departure. But um, what was really, I think, great about it for me, um, I was fortunate I had a great mentor chef there. Uh, John Fleer, and he really um, kind of drove home, you know, the the seasonality and, and the farm farming aspect of it. And I think at that time was right around the right around the time that we had developed the garden. Because when I was an intern there, um, it was just this little we had this little spot that was by um, what was the former spa, and. It was neat because John Koykendall, uh, who's the master gardener there, um, we would go down from the kitchen like once every week or so and kind of look at what he was growing. And then when I came back in 2005, um, the next year was when we kind of started um, the, the garden project, uh, which was built next to what became the barn restaurant, which ultimately I became the chef of. Um, but during that time, um, when the garden happened, we started going over there more frequently. And I think that really, um, a, a chef friend of mine from Charleston named Mike Lotta, he came as a guest chef and he said, he looked at me and he goes, you have no idea how this place is going to refine your palate because you're going to taste things in the moment and in the seasons. And I, at first I was like, yeah, okay. And, and then I, I think I, I, I reflect on that quite often because, you start tasting things like a tomato in summertime and, and you really know how that should taste, but like kale, you know, kale's always been a hot thing for the last decade, it seems like. And it's sure. interesting to taste something like that. That's been grown here in the moment. Like for example, John Ledbetter from Heinz Valley farm is who we get ours from. He's one of the only organic certified organic uh, farmers here in the area. And when you taste his, it's kind of sweet, and it's just not 
like if you buy the store bought, um, it, it, it's just two different things. And so it's kind of like we can take, like I can taste the difference of something that's like, you know, in the season that we've had to, that we've got, you know, in the moment, which is kind of how we write our menus around. So I think that was one of the things that really, uh, I think there um, transformed kind of the way I approach how I write menus and taste things and, so I think that was one of the biggest things. Uh, that, you know, that's kind of interesting. I, I want to ask you about that, the farm-to-table movement. You know, uh, that, that's had it, it's really grown so much. I guess that started in the 60s, but it just really had a resurgence in the past decade. You know, I always think of farm-to-table from the health aspect, but I guess kind of what I'm hearing from you is it really changed your perspective even on, um, you know, just the taste and the, and the different flair of preparing great foods. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of goes back to, to Butler and Bailey and working there is so the way I kind of approach things is take something that tastes great and don't mess with it too much. And you're going to come out with a pretty great product. Um, it, it was at Butler and Bailey. I had probably my first like heirloom tomato that I tasted. And I was like, Oh, that's actually pretty good. Cause I grew up hating tomatoes. And, um, and so you know, I think the first time I tasted like a, a you know, a, a tomato that had never seen refrigeration that was still warm from the sun and put a little salt on, I was like, wow, that's actually really good. And I started enjoying tomatoes after that. So, um, you know, hmm. I think those are those kind of things. And so, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to, you know, at the farm to taste that. And so that's really kind of how um, we tried to develop cooks was, you know, about that seasonality of, of product. And getting you know our hands on the best product we could so um you know i think we're fortunate to have all the tools at our disposal there to to produce great food so um, well I so think sourcing is is so important and that brings to mind talk a little bit about what you do with some of your sources sourcing sometimes you're very very creative and you go out and find stuff in the wild can you can you expand on that a little bit because i think it's a fantastic story Sure. Yeah. So, um, depending on the time of the year, um, I'll go, uh, foraging for, um, wild foods. You know, we just came out of the season for ramps, which are a wild, uh, wild leek or a wild onion. Um, they grow in the mountains. They, they grow actually, um, they kind of start here in the Southeast and make their way all the way to the Northeast up the Appalachian mountains. Um, you can even find them in Minnesota. Um, but, it's kind of the mark of spring when they start popping up. And um, fortunately, Alan Benton, he and I have become very close friends over the years. And he's the first person that's taken me out to find them. And um, and so it's kind of one of those things that has been a great sense of pride for me for to go and actually go and source those for the restaurant ourselves. And then in the summertime um, is really kind of when chanterelle mushrooms which is one of my favorite we'll go out and find those as well so so you literally um, go up go into the mountains and or go into the places you know to go and get and just pick them yourself correct yeah um you know in, in areas that we're allowed to do that um you know i'm fortunate um i have some friends in north carolina that have some on their property and they allow me to go there and do that um some friends of my parents and so We've been able to do that in the past couple of years, and so, um, and that's one of the things. You know, we'll start off in the beginning of the season um, serving them fresh, and then we'll start pickling the bulbs and 
uh, use those throughout the season. So kind of have that, that pantry of items throughout the year of something from the spring that you can kind of use, um, you know, the, the bulb where we've, we've done a dish that has the pickled ramps in it. And so um, that's kind of a fun thing to be able to tell that story of like, hey, I went and picked this and this is what we're using in our cuisine. And, you know, it's a regional item for us. And that's kind of really being able to tell that story on the plate is, is so important to that's me. That's really cool. Yeah, totally. We're visiting with Joseph Lynn, the owner of J.C. Holdway. And uh, when we come back... Um, I want to get more into the James Beard Award that he's won. Bring us up all up to speed on really what that means and how prestigious that is. Uh, we'll also have our dollars and cents segment, understanding the difference in active investing and passive investing, and what is best for you. So don't go away. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. It's News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We're on every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. You can also catch all of our show's podcast on our website. Go to broganfinancial.com, click on radio. We're visiting this morning with Joseph Lynn, the owner of J.C. Holdway, and quite just in- incredible stories about how he got started and how he sources uh, just very, very unusual and great-tasting food. Before we get back to Joseph, it is time for Dollars and Cents. Want to be sure you are getting the most out of your retirement? For all the years of your retirement? That's the primary goal of More Living with Jim Brogan and our Dollars and Cents segment, where we provide you with an important financial tip that will help positively impact the quality of your life in retirement. And now, here's Jim with this week's Dollars and Cents tip. Understanding the difference in active investment and passive investment and why it's important to you. You know, active investment, this would be managed mutual funds. Passive investment would be unmanaged index funds. So, you know, when you have a managed mutual fund, the the investment manager is making decisions on buying and selling stocks or other investments based on how they feel like those stocks will perform. So that fund is being actively managed. A passively managed fund, like an index fund, the managers aren't actually making their own purchase decisions to try to boost returns or reduce risks or anything like that. They're simply trying to mimic the underlying index. So if you have an S&P 500 fund, they're just trying to mimic the return of the S&P 500. So it's not actively managed. It's passive. There has been, over the last 10 years, a huge movement to index funds. And so, some, you know, often I get asked, Jim, what do you like? Do you like managed mutual funds with active management? Or do you like passively uh, managed index funds? Well, my answer would be, why not both? You know, there's a lot of options out there. Uh, now, on the managed mutual fund side, I will say, I think most managed funds are either mediocre or even poor. But there are some really great ones, not funds that shoot that are shooting stars that have a one good year type thing, 
but that are good over long periods of time. Uh, however, most managers don't beat their indexes. So I would kind of equate it to being out on the lake in a boat. And let's say it's a sailboat. When the wind is at your back and you, you just raise your sail and it, the, the boat will take you wherever you want to go. And that would be the analogy I would use for passive investing when markets are good. You just, it, it's more like sailing. Now, rowing, though, is what if you're going into the wind and you have to actually row? You can't just raise your sail. Rowing is what you do to try to get performance in a choppy market. You know, when there's a bad choppy market, you know, an index fund is they're, they're not doing any kind of management to help balance risks and rewards in your portfolio. So from my vantage point, they both offer advantages and they both have disadvantages. You know, managed funds are usually higher in fees. They have greater tax ramifications. Index funds don't give you any management for choppy markets or for even taking advantage of opportunities. So, uh, you know, they both have their advantages and disadvantages. We don't know what the next market's going to be. We don't know if it's going to be a raising bull market where we can just raise our sale. We don't know if we're going to be going against headwinds where we have to row. So to me, they both offer advantages. Why would we pick one or the other? In a good investment plan, I think that you should consider all of the best alternatives that you can get in the market today, especially publicly traded investments like mutual funds and ETFs, exchange traded funds, and index funds. So consider everything and make sure you have a very well-balanced and diversified investment plan. That's our Dollars and Cents segment for this week. You can find this week's Dollars and Cents segment and others by visiting BroganFinancial.com. Do please check us out at BroganFinancial.com. You can follow us, Twitter and Facebook. You can also sign up for my weekly e-newsletter. Be emailed right to your inbox where I give you links to all the content that I produce, podcasts, blogs. We have a video blog I put out this week about inflation and the, 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 the detrimental uh, environment of rising inflation with low, low interest rates and how challenging that can be. So you can sign up for all of those things to get notified and follow us because I want to give you great information so you can make informed and prudent decisions to impact the quality of your life. We're visiting today with Joseph Lynn, and we're talking about his very interesting story here on the Knoxville food scene. He's the owner and chef at, at uh, J.C. Holdway, worked for 12 years in two different stints at Blackberry Farm. He's been at the Peninsula Grill in Charleston, also at the uh, Hermitage Hotel over in uh, Nashville. Uh, Joseph, let's talk about the James Beard uh, Award. You won that award in 2013. You were the first person in Tennessee to win that award. Tell us what the James Beard Award is and what it meant to receive an award like that. Jim, the, uh, the James Beard Award is an um, award that is voted by your peers in the business. So think like the Oscars of food. So um, it's, it's an annual award ceremony that they do, um, which starts off with about 20 people in each category, um, whether it's best pastry chef, the pastry chefs have it probably tougher because it's nationwide, but then the chef category is 
broke down into um, areas. So there's South, Southeast, Pacific, um, Northwest. Um, so there's, there's quite a few categories, but um, I, I feel like when I was nominated in the Southeast category, my first nomination was in 2012, and that was just probably one of the highlights of my career just even being nominated and so um to me I felt like that was just kind of a win anyway but as a as a cook that's kind of what you strive for is is one of these awards so um just to be nominated was to me like wow that that's just huge because um to 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 be nominated and or to actually win um you're voted by your peers and part of the the rules are you've had to have eaten this person's food, um, whether it, at an event, um, them cooking at another restaurant. Like sometimes we'll do these dinners where I'm a guest chef or something like that. So I was just kind of like, man, it's going to be tough odds. But we were, uh, I was very fortunate that I had done a tremendous amount of events in, in those couple of years and from 2011, 2012, and 13. Um, I was traveling quite a bit with my job and um, lots of events and, you know, all over the country, whether it was in California, New York, Florida, like around South Beach. So I was fortunate enough to get to travel a lot, but also a lot of people got to taste the food that I was preparing at that time. And so, um, you know, it's kind of funny. I can still re remember at the awards, uh, Sam Bell, he's unfortunately no longer with us but he sat next to me and he goes do you have your speech ready because you're going to win <laughs> I said I said no I don't have a speech ready because it's, it's like I just don't think it's possible I said you know we're kind of up against Raleigh uh, Louisville Kentucky Atlanta um, and Nashville and I was just like while in Tennessee just I said I just don't think it's going to happen and it was just amazing like they they said you know they start reading out the nominees and and I just remember they called my name and I just sat there and everybody's screaming around me. And I was just like, That's it just great. got dead silent in my head. I was like, Oh my gosh, that just really happened. And so I do need to think of something to say. So um, <laughs> that was, it was kind of funny because I got on stage and uh, I remember just remember to thank everybody that helped me get where I was, which were my chefs, the owners of the farm, my parents. And so anyway, um, it was, it was a great moment, but um for just to kind of touch on it, it's it's probably kind of the pinnacle of your career and, and like what your goals are as far as like awards can go. Um, so that it's, it's, it, it was a great thing for me and especially, you know, being from Tennessee and being the first person from Tennessee winning, um, that was, that was really special That's... to me. Um, it kind of like said, Hey, Tennessee does have great food and, and and great chefs because Tandy Wilson, who's also another Tennessee native, won a couple of years after me, and uh, he's in Nashville and has a great restaurant called City House. So it was just really exciting, especially for those couple of years that uh, he and I both got to get some recognition for the state. So that's really an incredible story. I tell you what, we're going to get to our last break, and when we come back, Joseph, uh, I want to. We're going to talk about specific food. I want to know things about what are the best herbs to have in your own garden if you can have a small garden. We're going to talk about pairing drinks with food, and I'm going to tell a very, very interesting story 
uh, that I experienced firsthand with you uh, whipping something into shape that it just blew my mind. So don't go away. We're visiting with Joseph Lynn from J.C. Holdway right here on More Living with Jim Brogan. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. If you missed part of this interview with Knoxville renowned chef, owner of J.C. Holdway, Joseph Lynn, you can also catch us at 3 p.m. this afternoon. Uh, and then you can also catch our podcast every week. Uh, go to broganfinancial.com, click on radio. Hey, Joseph, I'm going to do kind of a lightning round. I want to ask you several questions about some specific foods. Okay, are you ready? Let's go. Okay. So <laughs> if you only have space for a few easy, fresh herbs or vegetables in a planter or a bucket garden, what should you? What, what would Joseph Lynn pack? Plant, excuse me. I would have. I would have rosemary and thyme. Um, they grow year-round, and they lend themselves to a lot of uh, different foods. Uh, thyme is kind of what I call my all-purpose herb um, because we literally put it in so many things in the restaurant. So that would be my first and foremost to have. Rosemary and thyme. Okay, what about right. pairing drinks? Um, you know, many like to enjoy a cocktail or a glass of wine with a nice dinner. Now, I know you all have a sommelier there, or a sommelier. That, uh, our friend, mutual friend Jason would probably correct me on that. But how do you go about selecting a drink to pair with a meal? So we kind of think about it in the sense to complete a dish. So, uh, for example, if a dish, we may want something that, that's, that's kind of fatty, You'd want something that's kind of high acid to kind of cut through that richness. So we would pair like, a, you know, an acidic wine perhaps. Um, if something you wanted to add fruit to, like say a duck, you'd probably pick a more fruit-forward wine like a Pinot Noir or Grenache. So that's kind of how we, you know, the quick, fast answer would be that's how we would look at it. Don't you think a good classic old-fashioned, though, would go with just about anything? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of bourbon, so of course that would be delightful. Well, I'm, I kid, I'm half kid, but that is my drink of choice for sure. Um, Dee Dee had 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 Jason come over here for a, a she had thrown me a birthday party, and he came over and did a, a, a series of wines, and at the end he added three bourbons in, and it was probably a little bit more than I could handle for one night, but uh, it was a lot of fun. It, he knew I, I particularly love bourbon as you do. Hey, when you're home uh, for the evening and and not cooking uh, at the restaurant, you know what's your favorite weeknight dinner when, when you're at home? What do you what do you whip up? What do you like to whip up? Oh man, it just kind of depends. If I've been fishing um, and don't have much time, sometimes I'll go out. But uh, pasta is kind of a go-to um, for me and um, my I better half. You make homemade so. pasta even at the house. I do, and, and it freezes well, and you can just pull it out, throw it in some water and some fresh herbs, maybe shrimp, stuff that cooks really quickly. You can have a meal in under 15 minutes, so things like that oh, I really wow. enjoy doing. Um, or just, you know, something simple like a grilled piece of meat is, is another one of my favorites, whether it's a pork chop, steak, something simple. That's pretty I keep cool. it real simple at home. So, 
<laughs> well, I was on Phil Williams um, Thursday, and he asked me about who what I was going to cover on the show today, and I told him I was having you on the show. And he mentioned something, and I want to ask you about it because I'm aware of this too, but a lot of people may not be aware when they go to your restaurant that you can order a, a burger. Can you tell us about your burger? Because it is what, what motivated – tell, tell our listeners about – what type of a burger it is and why it's so good and why you decided that you'll do that for people that request it. Um, so it, it kind of started off as um, just a bar special, and um, we we have kind of a limited amount each night because the, the demand has become so high. And it's really a, a space constraint for us because we just have a little small griddle um, that we cook them on. And so um, don't everybody get upset with us if, if we can't make it for everybody but um it's, it's, oh it's okay no no, no. It's, it's 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 kind of the burger of my childhood that i love um it's real simple it's a half pound double stack um double cheeseburger american cheese uh dijon mustard so it's kind of a classic mayonnaise. two two slices a quarter pound each so they're slices kind of thin kind of like a, a diner style Exactly. Yeah. They get real crispy um, because of the, the griddle we have. And so it's just a real simple burger. It's, we're not trying to make it some fancy, you know, artisan bun or any of this stuff. It's it's just it's kind of like a real simple burger. So um, and, it, and, it, and so you asked about like what we use. It's it's uh, we use brisket and ribeye um, in our grind. So it's it's some tasty cuts. Oh, wow. I didn't know it had some brisket in there. Uh, that I, I was going to talk about Aaron Franklin in a minute, but I'll tell you what, before I do that, so, you, you know, you mentioned you love to fish, and I've got to tell this story. I hope you don't mind me telling this, but you were out fishing with another friend of ours, and it stopped by our house, and I think at the time we weren't aware y'all would be stopping by, and I was cooking a horseradish-crusted beef tenderloin, and I was doing a port, a port wine reduction. And it's the it's of and it's it's my daughter's favorite, both my daughters, but my oldest daughter's her favorite dish that I cook, and my wife it's definitely one of her favorite three or four things that I cook. So um, I've done it for years, and I have never burned the wine reduction. I had never and I, I had never sit before, and I've never burned it since. But I I forgot about it and left it, and it burned. And you were there. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? And you were like, do you have some balsamic, I think, balsamic vinegar? And you took a few things out of my pantry and in 10 minutes whipped me up something that tasted like a port wine reduction that didn't even have port wine in it. I think you put balsamic vinegar and sugar and maybe a few other things. Probably so. And I was just trying to mimic the sweetness of, of the port wine that, that had unfortunately burned up, but yeah, it's, you just have, luckily, you know, your repertoire as a chef, you just th think of, okay, they're wanting, you know, kind of like a sweet glaze to complement this. And so, yeah, it, that you was know, just, I just remembered. That was just unbelievable. So, well, um, Hey, so, Joseph, I'm sorry, we're out of time. Uh, this has just been great. Um, people can check you out at jcholdway.com. And uh, I guess you're open Tuesday through Saturday, correct? That's correct. Uh, we start service at 5 p.m. And, and finish on the weekdays at 9 and 10 p.m. on the weekends. 
Joseph, thank you so much for coming on. J.C. Holdway, we've been discussing food because great camaraderie with great friends leads to more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Thank you, Chris, for engineering the show, and thank you to Jill producing the show. You've been listening to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.